listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, Sarah Ashley, Sean Moriarty, and Roxy Noberry. So guys, uh-huh. this is me doing my best Brian impression. I have a question. Will you put your hand out like this? Wait, wait, wait. 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 I have a question. Why do I sound so, so effeminate? Guys. I'm just wondering. Why do you sound so effeminate, Brian? Do I sound like Tim Gunn? Is that my voice? Roxy's a girl. She Rose. can't help it. I'm a lady. Because talking about I'm gonna do Rock's impression of you. And the lady <laughs> is mine. <laughs> I keep thinking of uh, Emperor's New Groove when Isma turns into the kitten. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. I speak squirrel. <laughs> yeah, I speak that squirrel. Poison. Squeak, squeaky, squeaking. <laughs> so, so that's perfect because what is everyone? If you guys can reach into your hearts and figure this out in the time we have, show me your three favorite animated films. Three favorite animated films. Yes, and it can span any era. Any any animator. We're not talking Disney. Just you know. First only, of all, only talking you, Disney. You, you give me and Sarah on the spot a, a three list. So that's what I'm gonna start with we're Sean. Gonna... Sean. <laughs> yes, we'll, I we'll actually had quite week. a bit of time okay. to think about this when we were on our break because guess what? We're pulling the fucking veil back again. <laughs> Roxy asked us this when we were done with I, our last episode. And I was too busy talking. To I got think a two way tie for my first, yeah. and then I'll just have the second one be the third. Okay, go go okay. for it. I'm going to say it's, I really love The Incredibles and the Lego movie are probably two of my favorite animated movies because I just love superhero shit mm. and the Pixar take on superhero shit and especially the um, the way that they portrayed like superheroes are gone because people sued them for saving them and all this, th- mm. that nonsense. It really like brought a whole different perspective to superhero movies that we hadn't seen before it's and topical. who would have thought it came from a Disney Pixar movie. Oh yeah, it's the rise of Pixar. Yeah. And the Lego sure. movie, I don't need to fucking say anything but everybody <laughs> out there knows the fucking Lego movie is the shit. I'm yes. just saying everything is awesome. Yeah. Everything is, cool. is awesome. <laughs> everything, is- everything is cool as long as you think Lego movie is one of the best animated movies ever all kicky your ass <laughs> favorite part of that movie is when they work a choir into it they have the I choir know. yes <laughs> so Sean, okay you, and you th- this two. is gonna this is the one that might piss you guys off my third favorite animated movie huh. is blue harvest the first family guy <laughs> star wars parody because it's so harvest. fucking awesome actually that actually counts. sean my choices or at least one of my choices not too far off from that up oh yeah definitely mm. i oh. think that I think that's an artistic masterpiece. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. And, and actually, if you want to know a movie that will melt my cold, icy heart, it's the opening of that and then any scene with the dog in it because oh. I, I had a golden retriever growing up and that dog just mm. hell reminds oh. me of my dog. I have a friend who was proposed to that way oh. at Disneyland. They had oh. an illustrator do the Doug dog and said, I will, I will, I've been, I will sit underneath Your the porch. porch forever because I love you. No. Oh. And, oh my God, Brian. <laughs> here's the best part Stop it. that's one of the reasons I probably didn't put that movie on that list yeah. is because oh. movies that make me cry I'm like uh, I can't say it's my favorite because then Dude. I gotta watch it all the time and I don't want to cry that much but because it hurts their whole wedding was up themed like the wedding march was yeah. not Here Comes the Bride it was the whole open. it was basically the opening of the movie the first right. five minutes of the movie right. yeah, the, the oh my god score. <laughs> beautiful stop uh, it okay so, anyway. okay, so, so up, it's definitely. I no particular order on these. Awesome. Okay, yes, no so particular up, order. Um, I want to pick like a hand drawn, hand quote unquote hand drawn yeah. Disney, and that's tough for me because like Peter Pan and Little Mermaid were kind of both my favorites growing sure. up. And then definitely in the number three spot. Okay, 
South Park bigger, longer. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even think about Blame that one. F- amended list. That's my third. <laughs> because no, you're, you're demoting the Lego Movie. <laughs> no, no, I said my third. I'm demoting Blue Harvest. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So nice. uh, just because that, like, seeing a truly fucking filthy cartoon movie it was great <laughs> it's it. just great it was it. it was spectacular and, and even though like the simpsons one was really good and mm-hmm. was much better than i expected it to oh, be good point i would still hold that the south park one is probably best for the raunchy animation fuck yeah, yeah. dude brian mm, i knew the family was gonna get to me <laughs> mm. um i have to agree with sean on the incredibles and our listeners knowing me, that is no surprise that I would pick a superhero Disney movie to uh, make one of my top three. I mean, it's Pixar, but you know. Um, Same diff. I want to save the last one because I already know what the third one is. And the dig on these it's are heavy metal, order. isn't it? No, it's not fucking heavy metal. <laughs> it's like the last unicorn. <laughs> um, oh, oh, fuck you! The last unicorn oh, no, is a goddamn masterpiece. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. So Go. we got the that one. The last unicorn. <laughs> Again, no other, no surprise again, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Ooh. Oh, God, I'm demoting number three again. <laughs> Sean, I'm, you kidding, can't I'm, go kidding, back. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No backsies. Uh, because it's, it's, to me, it's one of the best Batman movies, period. Cool. Yeah. Um, and Sean, you're going to, again, you're going to, you're going to go back to the childhood with this. Uh, An American Tale is my favorite. Oh. Don Bluth. Yeah. Don Bluth. I'm somewhere out there beneath the we gotta have a wowie. Someone's thinking of me. <laughs> oh my god. A wowie? <laughs> we have to have a wowie. I just, I just love. But I, my favorite part is when it was in total '80s fashion. When they get to the the credits, it's the whole like pop version of oh, it. God, yeah. Yeah. Oh god! Yeah. Oh yeah. Somewhere. It's like Michael Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> I always love how they. Although I think that. I like Five Will Goes West more than I like American oh, Tale. No. Oh I, fuck you, Jimmy Stewart. I'm sorry. That you it's true. people. Why do you people exist? I'm sorry. <laughs> I liked that one more. I was more. I was actually kind of. I, I kind of liked the whole like cowboy old west thing. Yeah, it was a great when, homage. When I was, like, I'm just younger, saying. So. Like, you know what sucks huh. is that the U- Universal Studios used to have this stage show with people in suits, uh-huh. and they had this giant animatronic <laughs> version. I, I was thinking of the, the exact cat. same thing, Sean. Why? It's well, we went to the Universal <laughs> Studios tour, and they they change up some of the stage shows that they do depending on what's popular and whatnot, and. When we were there in like I want to say 91, 90, yeah, wow. they had 90. an American Tail one, and there was an awesome Aww. part where this door opened and the fucking cat, the giant cat played by Dom DeLuise, yes. comes out. It's this huge animatronic <laughs> cat, and we were like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. fantastic, dude. And they do the, uh, I think they they, they did the uh, a duo song. Nice. Aww, yep. Cool. Yeah. Cool. That's so cool. Anyway. So my picks, um, I'm going to have to go classic Disney with this, Sleeping okay. Beauty. Oh, of course. Beautiful. Great. It's a I beautiful mean, movie. And beautiful. the hottest Disney prince. Oh, for thank sure. you. I prince see you, Philip. I see you. Yeah, anybody who tries mm-hmm. to say Prince Eric, I mean, he's a close second, but Prince Philip, definitely the hottest. Okay, Prince Eric for the what hair, about, but no, Prince Philip for the chivalry. No, what about, what's his face from Frozen? The blonde guy from uh, Frozen. Nah. Kristoff? Yeah, Kristoff. Yeah, he's, he's a little not too hot because he was a dick. No, Kristoff's a little too a uh, little too Euro trash. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely a little too Euro trash. Wow, <laughs> kidding! I, you just want to have you just want to be able to date somebody that's in your socioeconomic bracket. Don't you? Shut up! No, okay, out of context. Uh, that's out of context. That's completely out of context because nobody on our podcast is going to hear it. But I had to say it because it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. 
Okay, and this one's might be a little bit a little bit interesting, but um Rescuers Down Under. Ooh. I was thinking about that's that a one. Good that movie one. fall in love one. with Australia. That is okay. a good Do you guys remember use of computer generated imagery in an yes. animated film before Aladdin. Yes, yeah. sir. One of the best. Mm-hmm. It's that it's opening a sequence when he he's flying with the golden eagle, eagle right? Yeah. With yep. And he flies off and they jump off the cliff, right? Yeah. And it's just that slow shot of him like busting out into the air and all these beautiful white birds are flying with mm-hmm. him and the score of that opening sequence oh, is so beautiful. fucking masterful. It's beautiful. beautiful. You you just I, I took my breath away and I remember being a kid and just being completely transfixed by it and just falling in love with the imagination and the mystery and the the action. I mean, oh god, it was so much fun. So yeah, so definitely Rescuers Down Under has a special place in my heart and it's just an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then oh shit. Ah, oh, see, no, I mean I kind of already picked two. So let me let me demote. I mean, even though Sleeping Beauty is awesome, I'm going to kind of demote it. It's um, kind of a given. I'm because just... I kind of picked three. Okay. So my actual second one, forget what I said. So I, I, I'm definitely going to stick with Rescuers <laughs> Down Under. Okay. Second one is actually going to be Anastasia. Anastasia. So another Don Bluth classic. That's a great one. That is nobody's really going to well. Nobody's going to throw Thumbelina out there, though. <laughs> Thumbelina. I mean, Thumbelina was good that one i think didn't that one didn't (laughs) hit home as much as anastasia did i know anastasia was just beautiful although was it historical inaccuracies of the film whatever whatever uh swan princess (laughs) though swan princess is awesome yeah underrated actually Mm -hmm. pretty underrated Mm -hmm. but yeah swan princess is pretty cool but anastasia man i mean just glory just it highlighted don bluth's masterful Technique. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he was a Disney animator for God knows how long. Sure. And he, he went on did his own thing, and by God, he was successful at it. He did a great it. job. Such a great, you know, mm-hmm. example of really ingenuity and how And well, and the style of those films, too, really fit into mm-hmm. the aesthetic of the time that was set by Disney. So I agree. It, yeah. So it worked out nicely for him yeah. because... There were a lot of kids who mistook him for Disney mm-hmm, movies. Mm-hmm. So. so definitely Anastasia. Mm-hmm. And then my uh, third would definitely have to be Princess Mononoke. Oh. Yes. Yes. By the wonderful and also masterful Hayao Miyazaki. Oh, the man is a genius. And on mm-hmm. that note. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Roxy Noberry. And I'm Sean Moriarty. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about Miyazaki. Miyazaki, the great Miyazaki. <laughs> Miyasan. 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 Hikau Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. <laughs> I see you, Christopher Walken. Uh huh. That sounds like a fancy sports car. <laughs> Thank you, Gilbert Godfrey. Wow, we have so many celebrities in the show. We do. Tonight. This is a star-studded guest tonight. Yeah, I know. Right? Let me tell you something about animated features. <laughs> oh my God, you guys! I've been like waiting for this episode forever. No, yeah. I know. So yeah, no, this is great. So, because okay. Miyazaki is a fantastic artist, and I'm mm-hmm. just gonna go ahead and throw this out there. I'm not a particular fan of anime, just no. in general. Okay. It's just never really been a thing for me aesthetically. Mm. But Miyazaki, Miyazaki films, that's like, yeah. that is a great place to cross over for, know, for people right? who have never been exposed to it. This is a great place to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first one I ever saw was uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Aww, and that's a classic. It's classic. It's got a great message. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's a lot of depth to it that I think goes be, goes over most children's heads. I don't yes. know. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, and I saw it when I was in college. Nice. And it spoke and, to you And then. it spoke to me. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Very it was a beautiful, cool. beautiful picture. Very cool. So. Yeah, what was everyone's first taste of Miyazaki? Um, <laughs> well, so I was working at AMC Theaters when Spirited Away came out. Cool. In 2001. Yeah, but I never saw the full movie at that point. Mm-hmm. I was just, because of ushering and having to do checks on picture and sound, I would see like tiny little 30 second, second glimpses of it. Cool. So I don't count that. Okay. One. Um, I would count Howl's Moving Castle mm, as the also one I saw a classic. first. Uh, and that's also my favorite. I've only seen three of his films. I've great seen... English dubbing translation by uh, Christian Bale, by the Christian way. Christian Bale, Billy Howl. Crystal does a great job. Yeah. In it. I mean, this, it's got a great cast. It's got Lauren Bacall is mm. in it. Um, Christian uh, Bale. A young and... Josh Hutcherson plays the little kid, too. That's right. Um, I'm skipping over some names because there's just, but it just, it's got amazing dub yeah. casting in it. Yeah, and then I saw Ponyo. Ponyo's got, mm. you know, I will say it's kind of cool because Liam Neeson's one of the voices in that movie. Nice. Um, but Ponyo, actually, I liked the least. You liked the, it the least. I liked it the least. Okay, well, we can we can definitely get into that. Yeah. But I yeah. appreciate you mentioning the kind of discrepancy between, like, what you wanted, you almost kind of got to see versus what you actually saw. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I finally did see Spirited Away. Yeah. I saw it yeah. um, when we were rehearsing, or rehearsing, researching for this episode. Theater people. Theater people. Sorry, theater people. Okay. Um, wow, so you only saw it recently. So what was your first impression? I mean, quickly. <laughs> extremely dark for a kid's movie. I yes. Oh. Um, very whimsical, but, like, fucking twisted like i was like oh my god yeah that's miyazaki classic for you honestly i mean he knew how to play to an adult audience it was almost like old school disney because walt disney did not want to make movies for kids i mean he wanted to make movies for art right and he wanted it to be for an you know an adult audience frankly and miyazaki i think definitely even though his passion for animation was from when he was a child and he was you know influenced by a lot of child children's movies he wanted to you know definitely express himself and a lot of his message was socially conscious Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. politically driven sure so that right there go ahead sean what about you oh the only one i've seen although i was really impressed by it was spirited away um that's i i wanted to watch more for this i was never really into anime like you said sarah but uh, i do remember when i was in later in high school people were like you have to see ghost in a shell you have to see akira <laughs> yeah, and i watched those ones sick. and i really enjoy those those Good. are awesome movies but I, they were also like I, I started to delve more into it and start watching you know things on toonami and whatnot on nice. cartoon network late at night and i was like maybe the series the ones that are series are not for me cuz they're a little too uh, like I was never a Pokemon uh, fan, but I do like yeah. uh, the, like I'm a big Appleseed fan. The, a couple ah. Appleseed movies are really fucking awesome. But I I'm gonna say Spirited Away was the one anime movie that I saw when I watched it that I was like, holy shit! I need to start digging more and finding some more gems, especially Miyazaki ones. And I'm I'm excited to hear more about him here so I could watch yeah. more. But I yeah. gotta say the one thing about Spirited Away that blew me away is that although that the the characters animation is pretty basic, it's it's like what you see. In most anime, even though mm-hmm. there's probably more detail in some of the characters, it's the backgrounds mm. that are so fucking detailed, yes. yeah. especially yes. for the anime genre that just blew me away and mm-hmm. made me feel like I was watching not just an anime, just a good film. And you know what's interesting about that is Spirited Away was the first uh, Studio Ghibli film that was 100% digital, too. So really? the fact is, like, it was 2D, but they also incorporated a lot of digital aspects to and it. There's well, definitely some three-dimensional yeah. elements they had to well, bring it's, in, too. It's interesting, too, because I know in the ones that, a lot of the ones that they did that are hand drawn mm-hmm. are done in watercolor. Watercolor, isn't that so great? Especially and, yeah. the wind rises, and they're 
beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful oh. pieces of artwork. So I want Wind Rises was his last one, right? The last yes. one he's done so far. Yeah, yeah. Wind Rises was his officially his yeah. last one before his uh, his retirement. But Studio Ghibli still has produced several films yeah. after. But as far as I know, and um, th- they announced as far back as 2014 or as recently as 2014 that they don't know what they're going to be producing next. Um, they produced the Princess Kaguya, I think it's called. Um, the most recent films that they've produced, as far as uh, Studio Ghibli is concerned, is called. Um, um, when Marnie was there, and it was produ- it was it came out in uh, July of 2014. So uh, you know, since then, Ghibli's saying, "Well, our our big cash cow Miyazaki, he's he's out of the loop, and we don't really know what to go where to go from here." And Miyazaki's like, "Wait, you guys, that wasn't my intention. Like, I'm just tired. <laughs> I want to go. I want to have a break. I don't want you guys to like go bankrupt because of me." But that's a little bit of a controversy there as far as the studio goes. But yeah, I mean he. Animated films, I mean, take at least four years to complete, even with the advances in computer technology being what Mm -hmm. they are. Pixar still does, animates frame by frame. You're just doing it with a computer model versus... Yes, you can do some computer algorithm that makes it do certain movement, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at the same time... Like they don't like doing that because they don't like the result. They sure. like they want. The well, they use touch. motion capture for yeah. certain things too, like animals and whatnot. It's Pixar, way easier to just do motion capture for a cat than it is to. There's actually mm-hmm. a reason why I chose Pixar as the example because Pixar mm-hmm. to this day mm-hmm. will never do mo- motion capture in any huh. of their movies. They do they've, every, they've never done it ever, even for never. like animals and basic stuff. If like anything, that. the only time never. they ever use that is for reference. They they do what Disney does is they'll have mm-hmm. actors come in and they will do imitation and they can like using just their eyeballing it they're, they're mimicking nice. the actions for that yeah um there was a great buzzfeed article by the way about the live actors that were used as the uh characters for sleeping beauty mm-hmm. yeah the references was for yeah, sleeping right. beauty oh and god they're amazing fully produced with mm-hmm. costumes and makeup it's oh, that was snow white they did that for snow white no, too. Exactly. they've done it they've done it for several yeah they've done it for all the major movies right right um but it looked incredible no mm-hmm. it looked incredible but the point being is that they they won't let they won't I mean, I hate to sound judgmental here. They won't take the easy way out no. and let the censors of mocap um, yeah. destroy the artistry of animation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, speaking of Miyazaki, I mean, this is the kind of this is a man who will hand draw eight hundred thousand yeah. like yeah. you know sheets of right. animation by himself, and exactly. he will work tirelessly because he's he, a perfectionist. And, and there's no scripts. He storyboards no. everything, storyboards and everything. they start animating before the storyboards are even yeah. done. Right, yeah, it's guerrilla theater in a way. Absolutely. And, and so no wonder he's tired because yeah. yeah. I mean, he basically has been the yes. the driving force of all this. Yeah. And he's got to have yeah. like horrible carpal tunnel. He's <laughs> well, got to have like a claw. Uh, well, if you want <laughs> to like, really see his process, hand. watch the documentary called The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. Oh, oh my god, yes, I watched so part good. of that on YouTube. Yeah, it's on Netflix. So it's on Netflix. Right now. It's really good. It's brilliant. Yeah. It documents his these years mm-hmm. process of making The Wind Rises yeah. and essentially going into retirement as it were and you just see him as he works tirelessly to create his his Piece de resistance, you know? Like, yeah. he just, he cries when he sees the final product because you know how much he put his heart and soul into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Roxy, I want to ask you before we get too too far ahead of ourselves, what was your first experience with Miyazaki and, and your little, your personal <gasps> journey there? Okay, well, I grew up, lo- I'm like, you guys, I'm not that interested. I love, love, love anime, mm-hmm. especially when I was a teenager. I loved anime and manga. I was definitely into it. Um, loved the visual component. I actually got into animation, um, creating it myself in high school. 
and took a couple classes and uh, just really loved the process and Miyazaki was definitely a huge influence on that so my first Miyazaki film that I saw in theaters was Spirited Away mm-hmm. and um, yeah it was it was incredible to watch it. I mean it just captured my imagination and that opened the door to all watching all of his other films I mean I've pretty much seen his popular filmography as, as it were you know I mean he's he's produced a lot and he's written a lot but right. directed and like done all of it there's, there's only kind of a handful yeah yeah so I got to really dive into all of them but Spirited Away was my first experience and I'll never forget it so it really opened it and um, as far as that goes you know I was like maybe 11 10 11 years old when I when I saw Spirited Away and I definitely recognized a lot of adult themes Mm -hmm. that kind of flew over my head a little bit because you know I was young but I still definitely uh, paid attention to and wanted to really think more about and expose myself to more especially you know the themes of environmentalism yeah you know protecting our earth yeah giving it value and noticing how beautiful it really mm-hmm. is and that's something that Miyazaki's always managed to do so effortlessly yeah. and just capture the true beauty I mean look at Princess Mononoke this the wide scope and just how gorgeous that is and the beautiful message of that that's pure environmentalism if you want to say like sure that's an environment's environmentalist wet dream for a movie <laughs> like, <laughs> next to Ferngully spirit yeah that kind of stuff yeah um god he's just so good <laughs> that's great so, yeah that that's was my wonderful thing. Yeah, I mean you, yeah, you clearly dude. have a passion for the topic <laughs> I do you do yeah. um yeah it's interesting <laughs> that you kind of that you talked about the wind rises and why that was you know like you know, Miyazaki crying at that film, mm. which, um, you know, he says in the documentary, he's like, this is the first time I've ever cried watching my own movie. Right? Um, and I think it's because, you know, just particularly that theme, like, it spoke a lot to his childhood, right, and his yes. upbringing. Yes, um, his father... Uh, he was an aeronautical engineer. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. helped manufacture parts for planes that en- ended up being, you know, bombers and that kind of thing, and mm-hmm. um, which is, like, really conflicting, because I guess at the same time he was a bit of a pacifist. Yeah. So... So it's interesting that you know a lot of a lot of his personal roots from when from his childhood definitely are extremely impactful in his in his artwork. Yeah, and he's had a lot of you know in that regard. Like he was born in 1941, mm-hmm. so we're in between you know the world wars here. Yeah, and he grows up during a time in Japan where there's a lot of push toward modernizing it mm-hmm. and a push toward this you know westernizing. Yeah, it. excuse me, westernizing it. Right, and um, he's kind of stuck in that in that kind of I mean, he grew up in an affluent household because his father's business was so successful. So he didn't see too much strife. But I mean, his mother did fall ill with uh, spinal tuberculosis when Miyazaki was fairly young. Mm-hmm. So she was pretty much, she was hospitalized. Yeah. And then she was basically bedridden for several years. And um, he actually has this memory from when he was four and a half years old of um, bombings happening. This was wow. in 1945 when uh, mm. the town of Utsunomiya, I think that's the pronunciation, was bombed. And apparently they were living pretty close to that town at that time and his family had to be evacuated overnight. Wow. And I don't know, if have you, have you guys heard of the film uh, The Grave of the Fireflies? Mm-mm. Okay, well, Grave of the Fireflies was directed by his producing partner, um, Takahashi, I believe it's... Tak- Takahata, excuse me. Um, uh, Isao Takahata. And uh, that was one of his early films. And that film depicts, actually, the um, experience of this, these folks in a small Japanese town mm-hmm. surviving a bombing and yeah. going through that whole traumatic experience. And it's an ex- extremely graphic animated film. I mean, it does not cut any corners. Wow. It is totally not Miyazaki style. It is sure. completely brutal. Um, 
And in that sense, you can't help but think about, you know, Miyazaki and what he must have experienced and sure. how he must have been traumatized by it. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting, though, I about having... I want to see that movie. Yeah, you should it's check it out. It's interesting about having, like, the ill bedridden mother, because mm-hmm. you see that in My Neighbor Totoro, right? And you see it yeah. in The Wind Rises as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, like with having... The, with the wife, yeah. Having, like, the mom that's yeah. not around. Like, the, the whole family moves in that mm-hmm. movie because the mom's in ill. There's that's that old adage that a lot of the best art comes from pain. Yes, yeah. yes. And he was definitely, he lived, you know, a, he had a, a painful start, even though there was a lot of creativity in his life, because from an early age, he got really invested in uh, the, the art of the graphic novel, as it were. Yeah, you know, he loved manga. reading like, comics, and mm-hmm. he loved um, watching animated movies and just like getting into that, and it really sparked something something inside of him. Sure. You know, he wanted to get so involved in it, which I think is kind of interesting that like he ended up majoring in political science and economics in university when he was like part of like the comic book club in his like college to, at the same time. Like, Are you British now? He was at university. University? I don't know. What he was call- at university. It's like when he goes, I'm going yeah. to hospital instead of well, saying, he I'm, wasn't saying I'm going a, to the hospital. He wasn't in a frat in college. I mean, this guy's like, you know, an upper educated guy, right? So all that to be said, he he definitely had these like passions and it makes me wonder like how he was able to channel them. Sure. You know, while he has to put on this kind of like brave, educated face of... Well, I mean, maybe there's kind of like an interesting dichotomy there where he, because he does have, you know, so much of these, uh, you know, he even says this in the, in the documentary, Mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, he's got, he's got his own perception of the world, exactly how he sees it. And he knows how effed up it can be and how, how disappointed he's been by his experiences and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Hence poli sci and economics i mean if you want to go be disappointed in the system you you mm-hmm. major in poli sci uh, <laughs> exactly <right? laughs> yeah. um, and then either that or philosophy mm-hmm. um and then <laughs> you want to get really sad i know if you want to get really depressed <laughs> go major in philosophy then try real life yeah um, <laughs> if you want to get one. really really depressed <laughs> Get a degree in theater. Yeah. Be a little horse major. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but so, but he knows how. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. It's okay. But he really feels that that he really feels we need to keep you know children and, and sensitive souls like Brian yeah. away <laughs> away from. Is that what we're calling him now? Yeah. I'm, so, I'm so sorry, guys. I just the theme to Jurassic Park was playing in my head again. Oh god. And, and he lost it. Could you imagine so, Jurassic? Park remake I was thinking Miyazaki. about the the, oh. the lack of job prospects from getting my theater degree and just the two combined and it was awful. That's cute. <laughs> Sarah, continue. Um, but he he really feels like there's a certain there's a certain truth about the world mm-hmm. or a certain adult perception of the world mm-hmm. that should be hidden from children. And so mm. I like that his movies really feel like there's just this beautiful layer of fantasy and whimsy yeah. and whimsy and and creatures and mm-hmm. magic. Mm-hmm. And optimism. That, no? And optimism that, and oh, great, great strong female characters. Oh my um, god, feminism up the wahoo. Up the wazoo. <laughs> um, that just are also so deeply layered with yeah. character struggle. And then beyond that layer, there's the, you know, the theme of, of you know, environmentalism, pacifism, feminism, whatever. Mm-hmm. All the isms. All the isms. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, all of them. God, and there's, there's so many. And there's so much depth there. And, and yeah. it's really really well crafted and you could see why john laster has such a hard-on for this guy's work you know yes um yes. that laster was the laster's basically the reason why we know miyazaki mm-hmm. in the in the united states because mm-hmm. he he yeah. like started dragging him to the forefront like spirit yeah. away 
probably would have never won an Oscar here if it wasn't for Lasseter. Yeah, because Disney became the major distributor for all of the, you know, the the Ghibli films, as Mm -hmm. it were. And it's interesting you mention him because his first exposure to uh, Miyazaki was when when Lasseter saw one of Miyazaki's earliest films called The Castle of Cagliostro in 79. Mm -hmm. And at that time, Lasseter was just, you know, a a little Disney animator. And Miyazaki had actually come to the States um, with his, like, his people or something. And they were just visiting Disney Studios to just kind of like, you know, cross-pollinate, right? Just to kind of see like what was up with that. And uh, Lasseter saw the film at the time and he just became enamored with Miyazaki mm-hmm. and Miyazaki's style. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. as the years progress and Miyazaki gets more popular, I mean, it wasn't until, uh, what, was, what, what would we say is the first... Um, I would say probably 1984's Nausicaa Valley of the Wind was one of his bigger, bigger breakthroughs. So when we want to talk about, like, Studio Ghibli, like, breakout films, Mm -hmm. I would definitely say, like, Kiki's Delivery Service, which is, like, 89. Yeah. So we're talking, like, late 90s. All through the 90s, really, where a lot of major Studio Ghibli um, films came out. Although I I think Totoro, like, gained a lot of popularity. That, too. But I think it maybe gained a lot of popularity in the States after the fact. I yeah. think that was a little mm-hmm. bit later. Yeah. But you know what? Princess Mononoke in 97 oh. put Ghibli on the map. Well, yeah, for wasn't sure. Yeah, was nominated? Uh, no, for it best, was uh, Mononoke. Animated, well, they didn't have animated film yet. No, Mononoke was no- nominated for the Japanese Academy Awards. And yeah, um, but I, I, God, I swear I heard about Princess Mononoke through some American awards did. show or something like you that. You did. Interesting. Well, I mean, it was the first animated film in Japanese history to gross more than ten billion yen in the box office. Yeah, it was. It so that's like fourteen dollars, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it overtook Titanic. So at the time, I think that's like that's fourteen. A, no, actually, so like it was. It was the largest. I think that's 140 million. Oh, it wow. was the largest grossing film American. in Japan until Titanic. Yeah, that's is right. what yeah. it was. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, okay. Titanic overtook Mononoke. Fucking DiCaprio. I know. <laughs> Always with DiCaprio. Jesus. Anywho, yeah, I mean, he kind of that... looks Asian. That's probably mm-hmm. why it. What are you talking so... about? DiCaprio looks Asian. Sean. <laughs> wah, wah. Sean. <laughs> No. Sorry if I didn't squeeze something in there, people would have forgot I was here and forgot I was kind of racist. They're like, wait a second, they're not on me. I was quite appalled that there was no offensive content on this episode. Wow. wow. Fuck you, loca fucka. <laughs> I love how the British would get really upset about our Japan jokes, but nobody Japanese would write in. No, I don't I think that would be kinda of complicated if they did. <laughs> I mean if they wrote it in like Japanese, some of them like you don't think they would actually write it? I wouldn't even hear about it. I would just have a, a Yakuza <laughs> would show up at my house and I would just have my head cut I mean, they do. I walked in the door. I mean, they do exactly. take English in their... English yeah. is part of their school curriculum. Yeah. But... Good! Cool! Okay, back to Miyazaki. <laughs> right to us Sorry. in English. Yeah. yeah. Tangent over. That, that's okay. <laughs> She's um, like, and scene. Moving on. <laughs> well, Sarah, I appreciate you kind of talking about a lot of like the themes that Miyazaki really like yeah. to emphasize in mm-hmm. his movies. And in that sense, you know, when we talk about the themes, like like you mentioned, there was a lot of environmentalism, um, pa- like the struggle to maintain pacifism. Mm-hmm. And it was really a lot of anti war messages in all of his movies yeah um even though he wasn't like radical about it it was pretty radical for the time to see you know the kind like in mononoke the violence portrayed in that Mm -hmm. where you just see like you know feudal japan and and how that transitioned so violently um into being a westernized society and a lot of the characters in a lot of miyazaki's movies are not there aren't really any true villains 
There's a lot of amoral characters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that make a lot of bad decisions that have a lot of wow. ulterior motives. But that's amazing not... that you said that. What do you mean? That's so? just because I was thinking that was like the first thing I thought when I when I watched Spirited Away at the end of it. I was like, yeah. wait a second, you Baba's not really that bad. Like it's like no. I wanted to think of her as this villain, but it, by the end she kind of has like a sweet moment with yeah. with when uh, Sen is leaving, and I was like, God, it's there's so many layers of gray. Yeah, and well, a perfect another perfect example, like Howl, you know, yeah. the Howl's Moving Castle, yeah. like, you despise him at first, because he's just a spoiled brat that has all this power, and he's using it for really selfish reasons, but then you see his, his development, and how much, like, mm-hmm. like, internal conflict and strife that he experiences, and you sympathize with him totally, and you're right. going through Sophie's eyes, you know, and you, of course, you begin to admire him, and, and really kind of idolize him at the end, and I think Miyazaki just effortlessly does that for a lot of the characters and the the character development is always a strong suit in all of his films yeah well and even i mean and it's great to show this through too because a lot a lot of his work um you know that i've been kind of reading about it's looks like a lot of them are adaptations too that he does he does a lot of work on with adaptations he loves a good novel (laughs) yeah and so i feel like i feel like you know there's and especially because the fact that in his process he doesn't write scripts no this guy is all visuals, yeah, visual storytelling, and I and I think that's probably why he's, he makes such a good avid reader, you know, mm-hmm. and somebody who is able to do good adaptations because, you know, when it's like when you're reading a really good book and yeah. you know the pictures kind of come to life in your brain. Totally, I well, I want to be yeah. in his brain when he reads a book. I know, right? <laughs> you know, there was. It's interesting you bring that up because there there was one thing I was noticing with Spirited Away last night, and they said that they. In the process of translating the movie to English, they had to kind of overdub a little bit. They mm-hmm. had to kind of do, throw a little more exposition in the right in into the dubbing because mm-hmm. there's just certain things that wouldn't translate over to an American audience. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. Like uh, one simple example is when they go to the bathhouse. They have to say uh-huh. it's a bathhouse because otherwise, like, yeah. no one in America would understand that, what a Japanese bathhouse looks like. Mm. Um, but simple things like that. But I also noticed toward the end of that movie, they got a lot of. Um, like they were tying up so many loose ends mm-hmm, mm-hmm. through the dialogue, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if that was something that got lost in translation, or if that's something they have to do to make up for the fact that there was no written script prior to. Are you referring yeah, to the, the whole end. like river spirit moment where he like river spirit yeah. moment to Ubaba letting uh, No Face saying that? Oh, not Ubaba. Ubaba's sister, twin sister. Yeah, um, Z- Zadira. Z- Z- yeah, uh, letting No something. Face stay with with her. Yeah, saying, that I could was use a servant, of... you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was just a lot of loose ends being tied up, which is fine. The story still worked. It was well done, if yeah. anything. But I'm just wondering, like, was that something that they had to do because after the anime, they realized that that didn't make sense, and they had to uh, fill it in with, with dialogue? Yeah. Or that was always in the intention in the beginning? Like, just, lots of questions came up, and that's interesting yeah. that we that we know that process now, that he doesn't write a script beforehand, because that yeah. makes me wonder even more. You know, that is that. a very good point, and I see that, and I'm thinking about it now, like, going through the kind of catalog, thinking of a lot of the major movies, how a lot of the endings do kind of end kind of abruptly, and there is a lot of, like, action. Like, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking, like, Princess Mononoke, when they kind of have the final scene, and everything's done and said, and basically it's... 
it's San and Ashitaka, and they're just talking, and he's like, okay, well, um, because you're wondering, like, what's going to happen to them? They have such a great chemistry, and you want them to be in a relationship, and you want, like, it's a great love story between the two of them. It's probably Mm -hmm, one of mm -hmm. the most romantic movies um, Miyazaki's ever made. And he's just like, well, she's like, I still hate the humans for what they did, so I'm not going to come live with you. I'm going to stay in the forest. And he's like, well, I'll help them, you know, rebuild Iron Tan, and I'll come visit you whenever I can. you're just like, oh, come on. Like, come on, you guys. Like, make out or something. God, (laughs) give me something here. And they're just like, bye, see you later. And the same thing happens at the end of uh, of House Moving Castle, too, when you find that the Scarecrow is the prince. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we're going to end this war. There was no exposition at all. And then then the Wicked Witch of the West, or the Waste, I should say, not the West. The Waste, uh, right. The Waste. And all of a sudden it reveals, like, she's had this kind of crush on him the whole time. Like, what? Uh, 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 Uh Uh-huh. All right. Like, mm-hmm. let's just go with it. Okay. I agree. It is a little bit rushed. And I yeah. want to say, I think the way that Miyazaki starts, he starts with a vision. He starts with, like, a frame. Right. You know? And he expounds on that. And there's a reason all of his movies kind of start out slow. And they kind of, you know, they simmer. And then they come into this boil. And then you just have this big fucking explosion of action and beauty and animation and all this, right. you know, character development. And all of a sudden, it just, like, it ends. So, <laughs> I think, like... That's his kind of process. He starts out slowly with, you know, trying to get you enchanted with the world that he's created. And then to kind of tie it all up is almost impossible. You can't do it without kind of disappointing a few fans because he opens your imagination and he kind of cock teases you with, like, where it could all go. Because he creates a world. And within a world, there's plenty of places you could go with that and that i think that's akin to you want to talk about other creative minds that you could compare him to i mean spielberg even or you know what are some other creative minds i even want to say like uh star wars or even um am i thinking like uh avatar you know like james cameron like that kind of thing like to create a world to have that much creative imagination prowess is a pretty daunting task yeah, and they have very different processes too. Like, I mean, Lucas just kind of like when he when he created Star Wars, he mm-hmm. was just like, he just went at it, you know. Sure. And I'm sure, sure there was a process that of figuring out all the questions, giving everything a backstory. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> James Cameron's huge into research, yeah. like huge into research, even if it's for creating worlds like Avatar, where they are completely science fictitious, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it is just very interesting to see these these. Auteur, I mean, and I, I'm sorry to get film snobby here, but when you hear the word auteur, mm-hmm. where someone actually does... <laughs> Sarah's oh, rolling her Sarah eyes. rolling her eyes. She's stroking a giant I just there started doing the slow jerk. <laughs> there, there are some directors who I think deserve that title because they, they have such an influence over the entire... Yeah. Process. Yeah. Writer directors. I mean, Miyazaki certainly meets that. I mean, Roger Ebert standard. called him the greatest director of all time. Like, that's kind of big words. Fine. Auteur. August release. Okay. Snob. Snob. Snobbery. Snob. 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 No, it's Sean and I are having. I don't call them movies. I call them cinema. <laughs> Film. No, Sean and I are just having a little, little conversation to... on the oh, side right. here. Sean, do it, Sarah. God damn it. Oh. The sucker Sarah is like yes. I told him to slap you on the. <laughs> he just Sean texted me to tell him to slap you on the knee. God, <laughs> you guys, you dorks. Well, I had. Sorry, she I, thought I was falling asleep, and I was like, "No, that's the weed." <laughs> he, he seriously I was like, I he's just about got, to fall asleep. You know, he's like sitting back in his chair, and his eyes are getting kind of squinty. Yeah, I just got all, I, I got all no faced over here. Oh uh, God. Uh, 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 
Uh-huh. So he can talk when he eats a frog, so but then creepy. he can't talk. He only when... talks when he eats. Whatever he eats, yeah. he can use their voice. Yeah. What did you guys think about the fact that, like, all of the the guests in the bathhouse really represented different, like, characteristics of the human experience? Yeah, like, sure. Greed yeah. and um, innocence and, uh, what am I, like, vanity and sure. things like that. I mean, they really were so represented. It's so symbolic and metaphorical. You couldn't yeah. help but live in the metaphor. I thought, um, I definitely thought, like, the, the dirt spirit, the stink spirit. Um, yeah. It wasn't really the stink spirit, though. He was a river spirit, really, yeah. in reality. Yeah. But this when you find that really it's because spirit. he's he's a representation of a polluted river, like, oh, that's totally, like, gluttony. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, so good. And then, like, Ponyo was all about, like, the oceans. I mean, you know? Ponyo well, was kind of like a fucked up Little Mermaid, right? It well, was. P- Ponyo was intended to be his yeah. rendition of the Little, the little Mermaid. Mermaid legend. Also, yeah. very, very odd dubbing, too. Like, I don't think, yeah. I think there was some lost in translation uh, I'd have to agree moments with that. there because some of the stuff doesn't make sense. Doesn't kind of translate. Yeah. But you know what? Studio Ghibli had a strict no edits policy. Because I know right. that like one of the Weinstein brothers wanted to kind Weinstein. of market, I think it was Weinstein, excuse me. He wanted to market, I think it was either Mononoke or Spirited Away to more of a kind of like adult audience. Right. And that meant kind of um, cutting certain things or kind of like in, in the promotional piece of course. And Ghibli was like, hell no. You know? I remember hearing that um, Miyazaki fought to keep San, who is the the female protagonist in uh, Mononoke, from sexualizing her too much. Oh, I like that. Yeah, like her her clothing, um, she's kind of dressed in kind of like a a fur kind of, you know, vest with like a long skirt. And during the creation process of the character, like they wanted to give her curves. You know, they really wanted to accentuate her hips and whatnot and he was like uh-uh she's a warrior princess she's part wolf technically so mm. if she wants to look you know a little bit more anthropomorphic then she should and uh and honestly the character as far as like kind of like sexualizing her happened in the relationship between her and ashitaka mm. you saw her as this like loved person through Ashitaka's eyes like he developed this serious sure. bond with her and cared for her so deeply and that's when you could look at her as a kind of romantic character yeah. not through her body type but mm-hmm. rather through her soul and her spirit and um I really appreciated his his choice in that sense to keep her sort of pure and to really emphasize the relationship rather than the character I guess in, mm-hmm. in a way like you guys kind of see where I'm going with that like, yeah yeah yep. it was less about you know image and more about it was less about the male gaze and more about the yeah. actual character which is interesting because yeah. the whole here thing we is, go is, again but it's through a male's perspective <laughs> yeah so but, it, gone, but, it's joke, but it's not I, but it's not so like I, but it's not eye candy is exactly. what it is it's not like yes exactly mm, just jerk off i agree with that, that too. you know it's not that she was his equal yeah. in that regard and he was intimidated by her even at one point mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like Good. they're feeling each other out like from yeah. a distance you know they're wow. definitely eyeing. and That's the first time he sees her is when she's sucking blood out of Morrow trying to get the poison out so she's covered in blood and she just like fucking stares him down and she's like fuck you what the fuck are you looking at you know that kind of look <laughs> you're just like okay and we're off to a great start first impressions are everything right yeah. <laughs> so yeah Mononoke man it's it's pretty brutal and the opening sequence is narrated by James Earl Jones nice it's everything deep. should be narrated I really need by... to see this one well, yes. okay. I really most of it should go to Morgan Freeman mostly Morgan Freeman right? Cowboy Combat James Earl Jones versus Morgan Freeman can yeah. I just sleep on a bed made of your voice <laughs> <laughs> 
Love it, love it, that love it. That line alone makes you want to see Ted, too. <laughs> yep. Just, okay, anyway, tangent aside. Oh, um, my God. <clears throat> That's awesome. Um, and in that regard, I think there's another... Do you guys... I really love the fact that Miyazaki had such a fascination with, like, flight machines. And he mm-hmm. really... You know, we talked about how his dad was in the business. And yeah. so he grew up, you know, seeing the mechanics of it and, I guess, becoming really fascinated by it and... The use of the flight machine, the plane, the there's different types the of broom. like yeah, the broom. I mean, there's different oh types God, of Joel, transportation happen. I mean, there's a fucking cat bus in Totoro. Yeah. Like yeah, hello, you can't get more like anthropomorphized animal than that. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a fucking bus um, that flies. Yeah. yeah, and the image there. What, yeah. what, what's what do you think is like the metaphor? Is it freedom of choice, freedom of of spirit, like? Or is it kind of a nod to imperialism or kind of modernizing kind of... I think it means set the pussy free. (laughs) (laughs) Let that shit out. Very feminist. (laughs) I I really think probably... I don't know. You'd have to look in the context of how each of these machines are being used. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Like war versus peace. Yeah. It it is very interesting that all of his... The the three movies... I don't know if this is with all of his characters, but it keeps hearing this recurring theme that all of his protagonists are female. Yeah. Not all of them, but a lot of them. The majority, yeah. Yeah. In the three movies I saw, the main character, Hal, was was a protagonist, but I wouldn't think he was the main character. Yeah, no. It was more Sophie. Sophie was really... And if anything, Hal was kind of like a supporting character in a way. Like, he was definitely like kind of her antagonist because he really antagonized her. (laughs) But their relationship evolved so beautifully towards the end. And he did it for her. Right. You know, it was for her. And she sacrificed herself. But she didn't do it for him necessarily as much as she did it for, out of the goodness of her heart for the message. And it wasn't about right. him. It was about, like, what she wanted, too. So I thought that was really important. And that message of the real kind of, like, it, it was less about sacrificing herself for a man or for a relationship and more just growing mm-hmm. and growing into her true self where she loved herself, too. And I thought that was important. That's a beautiful message. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's a beautiful message. Talk about like freaking like touching. Um, mm-hmm. And if you guys have, see- if you guys want to check out The Wind Rises, I think that's definitely one of his best because the protagonist in that one is Jiro, and he's actually based on a real life person um, who spent his life building fighter fighter planes Mm -hmm. so he survived sound familiar yeah exactly right even though this is based on a different person it was really miyazaki's life you know and you see the the whole lifespan of this this jiro character and uh one of his friends that he meets along the way is actually voiced by werner herzog Mm, (laughs) and apparently the character was designed um inspired by werner herzog so miyazaki was had him in mind and he was like, that guy is the one I have to, you know, he has to be the English dub <laughs> for, you know, the translation and whatnot. And I thought that was really sweet because you see the character who, you know, he portrays and it's just really sweet. Like their interactions are very touching and huh. smart, you know, very wise. I find it really interesting, though, with Studio Ghibli because just or Ghibli, you know, kind of like looking at the marketing because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in the documentary that we referenced um, on Netflix. Yeah. Suzuki, the producer of Studio Ghibli, the main right. producer who yeah. kind of helped start started the studio with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he references a lot of of Miyazaki's life in the promotion for the movie, and like yeah. this is how it all ties in. It, you can tell that there's like a true like reverence for Miyazaki of who he is as an individual, and 
I mean, you get that from the documentary because I swear to God, within the opening scene where I first see him, what did I text you guys? I was like, I want this guy to be my grandpa. He's just so sweet. He just seems like this really sweet old guy who just has so much to say and so much to offer. He's such a gentle soul. Yeah. And and what I find really interesting is that, you know, he is so like when you think Studio Ghibli, you think of him Mm -hmm. and... You know, Takahata being the other big animator there, I feel like he kind of gets lost, but he's definitely not nearly as hands-on with his work. No. And he also hides from the public a little bit more. Yeah. So then there's But Takahata, like, discovered Miyazaki and Suzuki, the producer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And no. And Miyazaki owes his career to Takahata, frankly. Like, they work together so much. And Miyazaki basically touts... Uh, Takahata as being the person who inspired him to be as socially conscious as he is in his films. Like, yeah. he was already pretty politically active. Right. Um, he even, like, led a labor union in one of his first jobs in an animation studio because there was a labor well, dispute. Well, because somebody encouraged him to do it. Yeah. And who do you think that is, right? Takah- they were both- it, was t- it was Takahata, right? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, they were both at Toei Animation. That was mm-hmm. the company that they got their starts at. Yeah. And they were both under the same mentor. I mean, these two dudes, like, they've had such a long-standing working relationship. And you see mm-hmm. in the documentary how contentious it can be sometimes sure. you know and it's like it's like passive aggressively contentious too because there's such like classic japanese men right. right they won't like outwardly yell at each other but they're very passionate about their work and mm-hmm. you see like all these old pictures of like miyazaki in studio and how he's always hunched over like working on something yeah and it's just like it's so endearing <laughs> i just i find it interesting there's you know a lot of people draw comparisons to Miyazaki and and Walt Disney, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like Walt Disney stopped being hands on with his stuff like as soon as the business side set in, you know, like yeah. he he wasn't really he wasn't hand drawing all of his stuff anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, a- and it would define how you it, it would sh- depend on how you interpret the term hands on. If you're talking about drawing every single frame or every single keyframe, then I yeah. mean, well, and Miyazaki doesn't even draw every single one anymore. Yeah. He just can't. He get he got burned out. He yeah. retired, and then he went back. I mean, the guy's retired six times. Yeah, but. He's kind of the uh, Michael Jordan of animation. <laughs> you can't call him the Michael Jordan because it's not like he stopped animating to go play baseball poorly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. True. I mean, he didn't just pick True. up a baseball bat and go at it. No, he, he didn't. Yeah, even though baseball is it. quite huge in Japan. That makes it funny. And it's funny. Miyazaki-san, what are you going to do now? I think I'm going to take up archery. <laughs> Get all the rest of that aggression out. <laughs> Can I say it's really cool that I think? He has such a huge fan base, like, and in the, like, in the documentary, like, there was the guy who was, like, cosplaying as Miyazaki. (laughs) It's like, that is amazing. I want somebody to cosplay as me. Oh, my God. Yeah, please. Hey, fans out there, somebody dress up like all of us. Yeah. And go to a con. They should do it. Oh, my God. Oh, that'd be so Uh, cool. For me, all you have to do is, like, gain 30 pounds and then (laughs) carry around a beer and weed, and then just have a shirt that has like an ironic superhero related thing on it, and then like a sport coat over that, and a hat and for Brian. You would just have uh, to do like a baseball cap with like a V neck, and like it has to have like a Batman logo on uh, it. Though. And no, and, and you, you need have to have like fair, you have hair. to like glue on a bunch of chest hair. Yeah, and you just find the the and then you start yeah. saying things like sacrosanct. Yes, verisimilitude. Yes, yes. Be very verbose, and then just wear a bear costume with Brian. Just keep saying, oh, I thought that would have been an August. I think Sarah is. I can't even. I can't even. And then for Sarah, it'd be like somewhat like just a regular girl, but like covered in puppies. And, 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 yeah, covered in puppies, carrying around a magnum bottle of red wine. <laughs> and and let's just say it. And 
let's just say it. You got to stuff your bra. Yeah. <laughs> I just got this image yeah. of someone walking around with this coat of puppies that's like, a, but like you can actually see the little tails twitching. Oh, okay. <laughs> but like happy around. alive puppies, not and if you want to go puppies. super no, fucking, no. if you want to go uber nerd Ooh. over it, yeah. you got to stuff the Sarah bra with pages of Nostradamus writings. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Sarah, you, okay, the, they would be wearing roller skates because oh, it's like yeah. you know thunder, not thunderdome, xanadome, xanadome, and Xanadome. be dressed like you know yes. that fucking you have to movie. Carry yeah, around, yeah, you have to like what would yeah, they do actually for me? just dress up like Tina Turner from Thunderdome and then wear roller skates and that's Sarah. What would, so what would they do for, for me? Her, I think they would just walk around covered in like mold plasters of butts. <laughs> like no, no, no. It's it's. Dress like very stylish, albeit maybe a little hipster. <laughs> I can take it. Yeah. And, yeah, if you want to go as Roxy, you just have to and, and pay nestle. Chris Hemsworth <laughs> and ha- wear him as a hat. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just saying, hat. I'm just saying, like, yeah, you got to, like, just nestle <laughs> a human scarf. A, a pillow yeah. made of Chris <laughs> Evans' butt. Like, <laughs> and then just like a boa yeah. constrictor. Just, like, wrap it around me and just hang myself with it. Yeah, like Ace Ventura style when he puts the Monopoly guy up on his shoulders. Just throw yeah. one of those guys around the shoulder. Yep. That's brilliant. Fun fact, that's what Sean does with his penis. Yeah! He, like, he, he gets really angry and he throws it over his shoulder like a stole and just storms out. <laughs> he sashays out. The people are supposed oh, to know that shit. That's the reason this is an audio podcast. Podcast, okay. <laughs> God now. damn it! How did we transition from talking about Miyazaki to Sean's like ten foot? Penis? Because you know what? Some of the absurdity Cosplay. in that in that Cosplay, animation makes it. you get your like you said earlier, get your imagination up. It we're does, talking about it? a man who has created some of the craziest shit we've ever seen, and we're just like Seriously. coming up with our own crazy shit. Yeah, flying cat bus parents turning into pigs. Yeah. Oh um, my god, that was intriguing. people with giant faces. Um, animal gods, um, animal dragons, gods. pretty much being snake wolves. Yeah, fishes with human faces. Fishes with human faces. Humans with fish faces. Humans with fish faces. <laughs> Wait, no, that wasn't in there. No, that's Star Wars. I'm thinking of flying castles. <laughs> Uh, what else have we seen that's kind of fucking crazy cool? Um, basically, the character design for every character in Spirited Away, let's be honest. Like, yeah. a giant it's head of... Yeah. Some, I mean, even No-Face, when he's devouring mm-hmm. things, is oh, fucking yeah. freaky looking. Yeah, yeah. Everything is very graphic when it comes to Miyazaki. Like, he shows you all the saliva. He shows you all the blood. Mm-hmm. And when you see it, you believe it. And it's mm-hmm. all very, like, detailed and... Um, just, just very visceral. I gotta say, I was actually even a little creeped up by Hijaki. Oh yeah. Uh, Hijaki is the is the engineer who's got the long spider legs that can also expand. <gasps> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's also terrifying. He's a human it's a, spider. No, it's not terrifying, Brian. It's a little bit. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, human beings. Brian, how can something like, so terrifying sh- be around all those sh- little fucking sh- footballs? Sh- the footballs. Sh- the footballs are so cute. I'm They're just, just like, hey, don't forget about Spider-Man over there. No, I was gonna say, I. I just feel like there's something unsettling about a person who walks and moves like a spider. Okay. And oh, I'm not so you don't like Tobey Maguire? <laughs> he's like he's like Spider-Man three. He's a man who has the powers of a spider. That's totally different, Sean. He doesn't have eight legs unless we're talking about the Man Spider oh. saga. In Ooh. which case, that would also be equally terrifying. So well, that's Ryan doesn't like spiders, everyone. This is the message that we're getting. No, news I'm okay Ryan with doesn't like a lot of things. I'm okay with spiders. I'm okay with people. I'm not such a fan of spider people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's what about people? Brian to this day can't like, watch Wild Wild having, like The idea of, 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 like a, of an arachnid xenomorph oh. makes me shit my pants. I am so sorry, guys. Oh, my I just God, shit my I'm pants. Get somebody... Hey, the, I forget. Who's the person that... Oh, okay. 
Albert, if you're out there, please draw Albert. us Albert, yes. a xenomorph that's also a spider, <laughs> and I'm going to print it out on a fucking canvas and give it to Brian for his birthday. He's not going to look at it. Don't look at it. Post and it. Albert, I think, is nice enough to know when to respect someone's Albert, personal don't boundaries. Don't be that nice. Albert, don't, 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 don't do it. Don't Albert, do it. I will give you $100 to do it. <laughs> that is a fucking promise. You that's can a commission. Email me, Sean Mo at nerdonomy.com. I will fucking Venmo that shit to you. And he'll suck your cock. Albert Wilner Napoleon. <laughs> I tell you this now. If you do not do this, I will f- travel to where you live and I will treat you to dinner. Oh, boy. That's, That's cute. bullshit. You're like, I will make a really more complicated thing for you to do, which is <laughs> host this podcast personality that you don't really know when all I'm going to do is send him $100, Brian. <laughs> You know, I think we definitely covered a lot of Miyazaki tonight, and I think we, this is a good time to transition into some feedback. I think so, too. But, Roxy, thank you very much for taking the lead on this episode. You killed it tonight. Cool beans. Roxy, I had so much fun just sitting here and listening to you. I didn't. I was like, oh. I was like, tell me more. Tell me more. Like, Yay. did Miyazaki have a car? <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it. I mean, Miyazaki's definitely someone I'm passionate about, so it's always fun to talk about your passions, right? Yep. Thanks for giving me the platform to do it, guys. I now want to get you, like, a little Miyazaki apron for your <laughs> yes. birthday. <laughs> That'd be so cute. Oh, my God. Listen to her. <laughs> it's, like, it's like someone told her, I'm going to get you a pony. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Miyazaki's face on it. Terrifying. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that creeped me out. I'm sorry. That no face voice when it wasn't when he didn't eat somebody's voice. He was just like, ah. it was unnerving for sure. But anyway, speaking of unnerving, <laughs> listen, to Brian Moriarty here. <laughs> <laughs> Present. Listen to feedback. Yeah. Wow. Do we have? I'm anything? just fucking with. You. I love you, Brian. I know you guys do. Yeah, we'll Please believe me. Believe me when I folks. say I uh, fucked a mermaid. We did just get two <laughs> messages. Do you remember apparently. that shit? From Tom. Oh, yes, from Tom. Oh, God, do I remember that shit? I still uh, have that shit on my phone. He basically was just replying. <laughs> Tom was just basically replying to the fact that we, he was excited that we were going to be able to uh, mention movies we want to go back and listen to. Uh-huh. He did say that he went back and watched episode four again. Do we have anything up. on the Twitterverse? We do have some mentions. Mostly it's the saga of Meg Girl talking about... It's a conversation that we had with her over the week. Ah, is that uh, the Red's freaking? Oh, he also, Tom no, also no. sent us something about Daredevil no. we can add on. Yeah, Meg's girl was just saying that she was catching up on... Uh, on catching up on Nerdonomy episodes because she finally watched Age of Ultron because oh. she heeded the warning and decided to not listen to that episode before she saw the movie. Well, so. that's true, yeah. So thank you for that. Thank you for heeding our warning and taking it seriously. Uh, I will say that Tom said uh, regarding episode four, um, it was brilliant watching him and experiencing him for the first time. I was very envious. Uh, keep up with the great work, guys. It's near tax return time in Australia, so I'll get some money your way after that. Oh, good on you, mate. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. You're the best. Aw. Cool. You're the best. You're the best. I love you. I actually do. Well, so I do have, I actually have some feedback from uh, my roommate. (gasps) Yay! One of my roommates, Michaela, finally decided to start listening to the podcast after living with me for almost a year. You pressured her into it enough, Uh, huh? No, I barely mention it. uh, (laughs) Did you just leave it on in the kitchen sometimes and wait for it to come out? (laughs) No, well, I, so I always listen to podcasts when I'm getting ready in the morning, so she probably, like, heard me, like, laughing to us in the bathroom or something mm. like that. Um, so you take us in the bathroom? Absolutely. Oh, I do my makeup yeah. in there. 
I like to take it in the bathroom. I do my hair and makeup (laughs) in the bathroom. Is that weird? No. No. Taking it hard. I mean, if you're on the shitter, it might be a little awkward. No, I absolutely listen. I listen to us on the shitter. I listen to us in the shower. Oh. Is that how you take your green eggs and ham, too? Huh? Okay, Dr. Seuss. Whoa. Continue. That was really harsh, Roxanne. I don't appreciate it. I'm just kidding. I know, I know. I'm really dark with She that. will not listen to us in the shower. She will not listen to us with, with a vase of flowers. She will not listen to us in a box, nor with a fox. She will not listen to us. Nor with a Roxy. In the sink. She will listen to us when she's touching her pink. She will not listen oh, to yes! us. Oh, yes. Oh, she said it. Actually, I will absolutely turn off the podcast before doing that. But thanks. There's no way in hell that I want any y'all's voices <laughs> intermingling with my personal time. <laughs> Brilliant, um, but said. no, so Michaela was listening to it. She texted me and she said, I'm in getting in trouble at work because I'm laughing too loudly. Good for you, girl. So she's definitely enjoying it. So <laughs> she just wanted to throw that out there. Awesome. Michaela has got a big laugh. She does have a she has a great laugh. I really love great. listening yes. to her. I want to meet her. We should laugh together. This is this is why you freaking come to my next fire pit night, woman. Wait a second. What I movies is she and nerdy about? Or is she nerdy about movies at all? Uh she is she is pretty nerdy about movies. She actually she really appreciates whenever we talk about composers. She has really worked oh. up at that. She also really because um she really enjoys uh the spaghetti western episode because you guys were talking about the composer from those and she like lost her shit. Morricone. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you, Michaela, for your feedback. And if anybody else would like to send us feedback, they can do so through many social media outlets that we do have, including uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our trusty, most wonderful website. It's nerdonomy.com, and you would just go click on the trusty feedback link. And um, there's a tons of other links on the website as well, including a link to Audible. And if you go click on the Audible link... Um, so there's, there's no, no link to Audible in there. Is there it? is. There is now. There's been one since the really? beginning. Really? How do you say it? Do you just I say would it? just say that you go to audibletrial.com/nerdonomy. Oh, okay. You can do both actually. So okay. There's so also can... an Audible link yeah, on nerdonomy.com. Cool. I didn't okay. Even realize so there was. So you go to I've the. Never seen you it. can either go to audible.com/nerdonomy or you can go to the nerdonomy website and uh, do some research on that. And I'm sure you'll find some links there. And in that regard, if you subscribe to Audible, we get a little bit of a portion of the proceeds. You get a little commission from that. Yeah. Yes, so. More and, importantly, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Spread the word of nerd, yeah. right? You can also go to the iTunes store and give us a review mm-hmm. or tell your friends about us. And if you're not on the Apple platform, uh, do it through Stitcher Radio because we, we're on there too. Yeah, uh, we don't give, we don't shout them out enough too because we've been on Stitcher for just about as long as we've been on mm-hmm. the iTunes store. Um, but yeah. Brian just likes iTunes better. <sighs> I know, right? Who doesn't? Hey, by the way, if anybody out there <laughs> can think of another platform that their friends use that isn't Stitcher or iTunes, send us mm-hmm. an email. We'll see if we can get on there. Like, if you want to see our like audio, but with just a logo on YouTube, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or do you want to get us on SoundCloud? Like, mm-hmm. we can go and do those things if it's worth it. So, my friend said that she saw an ad for a podcast on a bus once. That there was like one of those like bus. Uh, like, uh, not, it wasn't, like, on the side of the bus. Are you providing like... the bus money? <laughs> no, or maybe it was I also the, saw the an subway. Avengers fucking poster on a bus. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> well, anyway, wow. I'm sure there are plenty of other platforms that we can use. But in the meantime... Yes, I'm not going to suck have. dicks again like I did when we first started this, just to get the bus money. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, as we said, help us spread the word of nerd. Uh, and speaking of which, nerds, it is that time. So until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Bye. See ya. Peace. Uh,
And roll credits. And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. That's no stink spirit! <laughs> 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 <laughs>